last week we talked about being filled with the Spirit. This week we're talking more about being, uh, about what does it mean to walk in the Spirit, or what does it mean to walk with God in general. Um, one of the definitions that I heard about walking, seems like a simple thing, but walking is moving forward by taking steps. And I like that definition because I like to think of steps as, as like you're making progression towards something. You're going towards it, towards an end result, towards a goal. You know, I, I used to build machines, so when I think of steps, I think of like an assembly process. Um, when you purchase something that requires assembly, there's generally instructions that come with, and they're laid out in a step-by-step format. And then when you get to the end, that last step will generally have a picture of what it's supposed to look like when you get to the end. Hopefully, when you get to the end, it, it matches. Um, we are a work in progress. We haven't quite got to that picture at the end. But the Holy Spirit has freed us to take steps towards completion, and those steps are made when we are walking with Him, when we're walking in the Spirit. 2 Corinthians three seventeen through 18 says, For the Lord is Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. It is the Holy Spirit in us that makes makes us more and more like him. Last week, like I said, we talked about um, how we are made alive in the spirit, how we're filled with the spirit, that we're no longer slaves to the old nature, But now we have a new nature that's alive in us, and we can choose to live according to that new nature. Um, When we choose to do that, we're making steps towards that end goal. The verse that we just read that says that that end goal, that last picture on that last page of instructions, is the glorious image of God. It's it's a it's it's a long way to from start to completion, Um, and and in this lifetime, not even. really obtainable, but, but that is, we're taking steps towards that. If you remember way back in the Garden of Eden, God said that he made man in his image, right? But then in the garden, mankind fell, and between our sin and, and our unrighteousness and the, and the, the death of our spirit, um, we fell from that original state of being made in God's image. We needed redemption. We needed regeneration. We needed a new birth so that we could be made alive again. And we praise God that, that Jesus came and he died and he provided a way for us to once again have righteousness in the eyes of God and that we can have our spirits resurrected to new life by the power of the Holy Spirit that now lives in us. So now that our spirits have been made alive in Christ, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what does being made alive in Christ look like? Well, one telltale sign of having, of, of something that's alive is that it, it moves. It'll move. Um, I remember one night I was, uh, I was at my parents' house, and the, this was back before I was married. I was living there, and uh, my parents were gone, and somebody came to the door, and they'd hit a dog out on Highway 10, and they didn't know who it belonged to, and so they were trying to identify it. So I went out there, and um, 
and it's, it's dark out because it's nighttime, and I, I bend down and I, I put my hand on it, and I'm trying to look at its face at the same time as I'm kind of feeling to see if it's breathing, and I can see its teeth, and it goes, grrr, like growls at me. I jumped back, you know. Well, it turned out, you know, it was dead. It wasn't, it wasn't moving. It was just the weight of my hand on it pushed some air out of its lungs and made this growling sound. It was dead. It wasn't moving. Still managed to scare me, but, but it, it wasn't going anywhere. Now, if its chest had been, you know, raising and falling, I would, I would have known it was alive. It was breathing. If it was able to get up and walk around, I would say that it probably was going to be fine and it was going to continue to live. So if we're alive in the spirit, we should at least be moving. There should be some, some movement, some sign of life. And if we're walking in the spirit, it is a good sign that we're healthy. Um, the last verse that we read said, and the Lord who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him. Change, he changes us into His glorious image. If we want to test whether or not we're doing well, we can look at our spiritual lives and see, is, is there any signs of activity? Is there, are there any signs of movement? Are we seeking God in prayer? Are we offering thanks to Him? Uh, are we giving Him glory for all the things that we have? Are we desiring to live a life that would please him. Those are some signs of life, but better yet, are we walking in the spirit? If we take a close look at our lives and we look at the last year, where we were a year ago, if we look where we were five years ago, if we look where we were 10 years ago, are we making steps towards looking more like this, the picture at the end of these instructions, this picture of, of who God is? Um, are we walking in the spirit? Because if we are, we should see some progress. We, we shouldn't still be standing in the same place that we were standing when we first started. Another sign of healthy life is that we have a good appetite. Peter used the example of a baby to describe how a believer should have a spiritual appetite. First Peter 2, uh, verse 2 says, Like newborn babies... You must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have, have had a taste for the Lord's kindness. Now, babies don't tell you a lot. Um, when they're infants, they will tell you kind of three things, that they're tired and they want to be held, that they're uncomfortable and they need a new diaper, or that they're hungry and they need to be fed. Now, to me, the confusing part was is that um, they say the same thing for all three of those. Now, <laughs> some mothers will say that they can tell the difference between a, a hungry cry and a tired cry. To me, it all sounded the same. Um, but whether or not you recognize what kind of a, a cry it is, um, the main thing is, is that if you never hear it, if they're never crying for nourishment, if they're never crying because they're hungry, there's a problem. Like, the, the, there should be a hunger. So are we hungry? As spirits that have been made alive, are we hungry? Are, and, and what are we hungry for? Because that's, uh, that's another indicator of where we are in our spiritual walk. In the beginning, you know, babies want milk, but what are we hungry for? Um, a baby's appetites and cravings change as they grow, and so should ours. 
Hebrews chapter 5, was, he was speaking to believers that were, seemed to be kind of struggling in their faith walk. They weren't really maturing as, as you would expect. Or, and um, it says in Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14, it says, There is much more that we could say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. He's not mincing any words here. You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, those who through those <laughs> for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So in the beginning of our walk with Jesus, we start off by recognizing that we have the separation from God because of our sin, and we crave um, to receive his loving grace and his mercy, to, to receive forgiveness, and then we're filled with this joy of salvation that we're made right with God, and we're just, we're just happy to be loved and accepted by God. But that's not where we want to stay. Um, there's some clues in these verses that, in verse 13 and 14, that shows how our appetite should change as we grow. Um, it doesn't say that we don't still love milk. A little plug for the farmers, milk is still good. Um, but it says that it's not the only thing we should eat. Um, if we look back at verse 13, it said, someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature and, though, and who, through training, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So there's this idea of right. We have to add righteousness to our meal plan. If we're walking in the Spirit, if we're walking with God, if we're becoming more and more like God, then we will develop an appetite and a hunger for righteousness. We will desire more and more to put away the old self, our old way of doing things, the things that were contrary to what God wanted, and, that, and we will begin to desire to walk rightly before God. One of the most incredible calls that we see in the Bible is when God says that we're to be holy as he is holy. It's, it's an impossibility for us to do that, but it is what we as Christians strive for. It's, it's what this, this new life in us is, should be hungering and, and craving and, and, and uh, reaching for. Um, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It was unrighteousness um, that resulted in, it was our sin of unrighteousness that separated us from God. And it was Jesus' imputed righteousness, his righteousness that we took on ourselves or that we were able to receive from him that made us righteous, that, that made it possible that the Holy Spirit could even live in us. And it, it makes sense that if we are alive by the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is what birthed this new life in us, that that new life would also crave righteousness, which is why we need to choose daily to live by the Spirit not by the flesh. In Galatians 5, 16 through 18, says, um, I say then, 
Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So if we're walking in the spirit, we will not sin. And what is it when we, when we don't sin? If we're not sinning, then that's righteous living. You, they're, they're, they're opposites of each other. It's like saying, what is it when it's not dark? It's light. Uh, the two can't coexist. The absence of one is the presence of the other. But um, like I said, we're incapable of not sinning. So we can't, we can, we can't stop completely. We're, we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes, but, there's a, but we should see progress. We should be moving from where we were before we were living in sin. Now we may stumble and fall into sin, but we, we can get right back out of it. We don't have to stay there. Little by little, we can grow so that we're less often falling into that old way, that old path. And uh, if we're walking in the Spirit, we should be able to look back and see that, that there's been some movement there. So thankfully, even though we're called to holy living, even though this new spirit in us is, is hungering for righteousness, um, that's not what makes us ex- like an acceptable residence for the Holy Spirit. It's not the fact that from here on out, we're going to walk in righteousness, so now the Holy Spirit can live in us. The, the, holy, the righteousness that we received through Christ's death on the cross was not just for the sins of the past that made us acceptable for the Holy Spirit to, to live in, and then from there on out, it's up to us. Christ's death on the cross made us righteous for past and future sins, and the Holy Spirit can remain on us. But we still have this nature this new nature that, that calls us to live in righteousness. Romans 8, 3 through 5 says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So like I said, the very nature of the Holy Spirit is righteousness because the Holy Spirit is God. And we, being born of the Spirit, have that desire birthed in us. That's why... When we're born again, um, we can't just keep on sinning. There's, it causes a battle in us. There's something that, that happens when we sin that, that our, our new spirit is sensitive to, and, it, and we, we feel this ick of, of this sin. And the Holy Spirit will convict us and, 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 and kind of nudge us that this isn't the way that we want to live. This, we need to turn from it. Now, we can ignore that ick, we can ignore, ignore that, that feeling, that sensitivity that we have, kind of like turning up the radio on your car when it starts making a noise. You can kind of ignore it and, and become kind of spiritually dull to that, um, to that initial sensitiveness that you had. But when you do that, then you stunt your growth. You're no longer walking with the Spirit because you're not hearing the Spirit. 
If you don't hear what the Spirit is saying, then you can't walk in stride with the Spirit. You can't sense His leadings on what is good, what is evil, what is righteous. Our spirit desires to please the Holy Spirit that lives in us and live according to holy standards. So how are we doing? How are we doing at that? Are, are we living in a way that pleases God? Are we walking according to the Spirit? Um, or are we just living according to the old nature and content to just keep on receiving the milk of God's mercy and grace over and over again, just receiving forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness? We need to hunger for righteousness, to please the Holy Spirit by providing for him a home that sacrifices our sinful desires so that we can provide him a place that uh, uh, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit that we desire to, to offer to him as a righteous place to live, a place that, that doesn't live in sin. Um, and so we need to keep in stride with his leading so that we know how to act, so that we know what to do because we're walking through a broken world that tempts us to act otherwise. So the world around us is walking in a way that is contrary to the Spirit. And we, um, if we're only spending time in the world and not in the Spirit, then uh, all the selfish and sinful behaviors that we see become kind of our standard. They become normal. We become desensitized. And you become accustomed to it. There's that old story you've probably all heard about how uh, how do you cook a frog? You know, you, you put it in a you, you put it in a pot and slowly turn the temperature up. You don't put it in a hot pot; it will jump right back out. Uh, any of us who have I, I've never experienced this. I've never tried to put a frog in a hot or cold pot. But if you've ever been to a swimming pool that has a hot tub next to it, you've all experienced this phenomenon where. You know, you might get in the pool at first and it feels nice. It's not, you're just like, oh, the water's pretty warm. And then you get out and you go into the hot tub. And then when you try and go back in the pool, it's like, oh, that's cold, right? Because you've become accustomed to the hot tub. And so, and this can go both ways. You get accustomed to the hot and the cold feels colder. You get accustomed to the cold and the hot feels hotter. Um, when you step out into the world around you, do you feel the shock can you feel the difference? Are you walking in the spirit enough that when you go out in the world, when you're around people who don't know God, do you feel the difference? Um, have we spent enough time in the spirit to feel the difference? Do you, do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you, do you feel that and you're like, I don't, I don't want that? Or, or, or on, the other, on the other side, that, that you somehow want to bring that into that situation where you're bringing righteousness into a place that, that lacks it, you know, where you want to see somebody move from unrighteousness into righteousness. Do you see the difference? Can you feel it? Um, is there a hunger there for it? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit or to walk with God? Now, Israel, when they were in the desert, they experienced kind of a literal walking uh, with God. Uh, we're going to read kind of a big, a big chunk here in Numbers 9, verses 15 through 23. It says, On the day the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered it. But from evening until morning, the cloud over the tabernacle looked like a pillar of fire. This was the regular pattern. At night, the cloud covered the tabernacle. Um, sorry. 
At night, the cloud that covered the tabernacle had the appearance of fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And whenever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set camp. In this way, they traveled, or they walked, and camped at the Lord's command, wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as, they, as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites would stay and perform their duties to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle only a few days, so the people would stay only a few days, as the Lord, command, as the Lord commanded. Then, at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud would stay only overnight and lifted the next morning, but day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and moved on. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. <clears throat> what Israel experienced was teaching them quite visi visibly, quite literally, um, what, what it is that the Holy Spirit wants us to learn about walking with them. He was teaching them to look to him for direction, to look to, to him for guidance, to look for, for, for instruction. Um, he was to look for him for provision. He was teaching them to trust his leading and that he had a promise end. There was a there was a there was an end goal for the Israelites. They were moving to the promised land. Um, they didn't they didn't know the timing. They didn't know um, the exact path they were going to take. But God was teaching them to trust in Him, to look to Him for how to walk through the life. So throughout the Bible, um, we find the word "walked" is used a lot to describe. Uh, not just the means of getting from physical place to physical place, but describing a personal relationship with God. We're told to walk humbly with God. Walk humbly. We're told uh, to walk in the truth of his word. And when we look at the, the patriarchs of faith, that we look back in Genesis, um, they were said to have walked with God. So there's a relationship that they had. Genesis uh, 5, through 24 says, After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and, he was not, and then he was not, for God, had took, had, for God took him. Um, Genesis 6, 9 uh, says, This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. We look at Abraham in Genesis 17. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. So there's to walk with God. Each of these men, um, though we don't know a lot about Enoch, except for that he walked so close to God that one time God just said, why don't you just... Why don't you just come home with me? I heard somebody say it was kind of like uh, you're going for a walk with somebody, and they're just like, you know, what? you're closer to my house than yours, so let's just let's just go to mine. Um, but but Enoch walked with God, and God took him. 
These men spent time with God. They heard God's voice and they followed it. We look at Noah, God told him to build an ark. He told him how to do it. And then it says, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. So Noah heard from God. He listened for God, he heard him, and he did it. Then God said it was time to load up, and it says, and Noah did according to all that God commanded. So all the instructions he had on how to do it, Noah listened, and then he did. And then at the same, that that same day that they loaded up, um, the rains fell and the the waters broke forth from the earth and the flood, the flood came upon the earth. And lastly, he stayed in the boat until God said to get out. Even it said he actually looked to see that the land was dry, but then the Lord said it was time to get out. He could have looked and said the land looks dry and, and got out. Uh, earlier, but he waited and listened for God's command. Noah walked with God. He heard, he obeyed, he walked step by step. If he wouldn't have got on the ark when he was told to get on the ark, we wouldn't be here talking about this, right? That would have been the end. If he would have let the animals out too soon, if he would have been like, looks dry, they may have all, they may have died. There might not have been enough out there for them to survive. Um, Noah was listening to God daily. He, he wasn't trusting his own understanding. He was listening to God when to take the next step. I asked the worship team to come. <clears throat> Jesus, though he was God, lived as a man on earth, and he demonstrated to us how to perfectly walk with God. In the New King James uh, Version, uh, in John 5, 19 through 20, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Jesus walked in stride with the Father. He said, whatever the Father does, the Son does in like manner. Whatever the Father does, the Son does in like manner. That can only happen if you're in close contact with the Father on a regular basis. If you're not looking to see what the Father's doing, if you're not listening to hear what the Father wants to do, you're not going to do it. You've got to be in close contact with the Father. Over and over, we can read through the Gospels that Jesus went off alone to pray. He also prayed for people and he prayed with people, but over and over it says he went off alone to pray. Um, In Luke 5, it says, but Jesus would often slip away to the wilderness to pray. And then in chapter 6, it says on one occasion, this is the night before he chose from the disciples who would be the 12 apostles, it said he prayed all night long. Seeking God's will. John uh, chapter 15, John, uh, Jesus paints a picture for us of a vineyard. And he, he talks about the relationship between a vine and the branches and how a vine that remains connected or a branch that remains connected to a vine will bear fruit. And separate from the vine, it can do nothing. That's what Jesus is showing. He's saying, you know, 
I looked to see what the Father wanted to do. What is the Father doing? And then I did that. So the same relationship that, that Jesus had with the Father, that we have with the vine who is Jesus. <clears throat> Apart from the vine, you can do nothing. We are able in Him, we're only able in Him to bear fruit. If we look in um, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will, whatever you ask, Sorry, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. The, if you abide in me and if, and if my words abide in you. If you abide in me and your word, my words abide in you. This means that we don't depart from those words, that we maintain an unbroken fellowship with him and with his instructions. Uh, I heard a, an analogy of somebody who bought a tree and they planted it in the front yard. And then after a week or so, they thought, you know what? I don't know if I really like it there. So they dig it up and they put it in the backyard. And they're like, you know what? I think it's a little too close to the house there. I don't think I want it there. And then they dig it up again and they move it back to the front yard. Eventually, that tree is going to die. And at least it's not, it's not going to grow. If it keeps on being uprooted, replanted, uprooted, replanted. And so... Um, Eventually, you got to leave it in one place. If we want to grow, we can't plant ourselves in the world and plant ourselves in Christ, and plant ourselves in the world and plant ourselves in Christ. We won't grow. We will be stunted. Um, we have to abide. We have to remain. We have to daily be going to God for nutrients, to be getting from Him day after day after day. One last thought about walking in the Spirit before we close is one of the main reasons that the Holy Spirit was given to us was to teach us. We find this in John, 1 John 2.27. It says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and He lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what He teaches you is true. It is not a lie. So just as He taught you, Remain in fellowship with Christ. Uh, oftentimes, we see that God uses the natural to help us understand the spiritual. And in some cases, it, he even models the natural after the spiritual so that we can better understand it. I think that's especially true when you look at uh, marriage and how that helps us understand the relationship between the church and Jesus and this bridegroom relationship. Um, I don't know if he created marriage to, to help us understand that or, or, if he, or if he just used that to help us understand. I, I don't know. It's, all, it's tied together. You can see it woven through the scripture and Jesus uses it to teach us what does it mean for us to be a church and what does it mean for us to be... Um, united with him as one. But the other thing that, that the Bible shows is this, this parent-child relationship where, you know, you look at like the story of the prodigal son and, and how the father and the son relationship shows um, how God wants to interact with us. And uh, so as I was thinking about this, this parent-child relationship, I was reminded of Deuteronomy uh, 6 verse 7 where parents are instructed to teach their children God's commandments. It says you shall teach them diligently to your children and 
and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So in the same way that the Holy Spirit, uh, in the same way that, that a parent was instructed to teach their children, the Holy Spirit wants to teach us in that same way. He's a diligent teacher. He's always there, always ready to teach, always ready to guide. Whether we're sitting at home in our house, whether we're driving, when we're resting, when we get up to go to work, he's there and he wants to teach us. In closing, I just want us to ask ourselves, are we seeking God in prayer? Are we giving him thanks Are we giving him glory for all that we have? Are we hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Are we abiding in him? Are we walking in the spirit day by day, listening for his nudges, his his promptings? Are Are we sensitive? Are we in the spirit enough that we can feel that difference? When we go into the world, we're like, oh, that feels, I can feel the difference. Are we walking in the spirit? So let's make sure that we are walking in the Spirit so that we can feel that difference when we step in the world, that we're sensitive, that we're we're looking. uh, What is righteousness? What what is right living? Can we we tell the difference? Have we become accustomed to to what seems right to the world? Or have have we got a taste for what the Spirit is teaching us about His righteousness? We're not putting aside the milk. We're not putting aside God's mercy and grace. We need God's mercy and grace. And so this is a, an encouragement for us because he's worthy, right? He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of, of our sacrifice. He's, we, we live, we, we desire, we crave to walk in righteousness because we want to please God. We want to please the Holy Spirit that's living in us. It's because he's worthy that we do this. We're, we're going to make mistakes. And we're still going to need to go back to, to getting that mercy and, and grace and forgiveness and we're, and we're covered and, and we can rejoice in that salvation, but, but we want to walk further than that. We want to not just sit there, but we want to please God and we, wanna, we want the Holy Spirit to cause us to move further and further from where we were and so that we're doing more and more to please and bring glory to God. I'm going to leave you uh, with, one, with one last verse. Uh, actually two, Romans 14, 17, and 18. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but it is of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try and build each other up. Amen. For the kingdom of God is living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That you know, sometimes I feel like we can we can look at you know righteousness, like we got to do what's right, we got to do what's right, we got to do what's right, and maybe that sounds hard, but there's joy in it. It says that that living according to that way, living in the kingdom of God, is a life of goodness, peace, and joy. Doesn't that sound good? Goodness, peace, and joy. That, that doesn't sound like it, this is something hard that we, that we don't like, oh, I got to muddle through trying to live right. You know, we, we get to live right. We get to know what right is. 
We get to have a spirit that is encouraged as we as we walk in righteousness and we can, and we're in right standing with God and we're like, "Oh, this I like I have such peace in this. Like, man, I have joy in this. Like, I don't have any guilt in this. I know what right is and I have the ability to step out of it because the Holy Spirit lives in me because my spirit is alive. I can walk in righteousness and and we can have this joy and this peace. It's just it's so good. So good. So, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, bless us. Lord, I pray that you would cause our, our spirits, if we've lost any spiritual sensitivity, Lord, that you would help stir that, that you help awaken that, that you would um, draw us, whatever hunger we have, that you would, you would, you would cause us to, to, um, to draw near to you. And that as we draw near to you, as we spend more time in you, with you, as we as we read your word and, 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 and in a prayerful manner where your Holy Spirit is teaching us, that it becomes such a part of us that we um, that we crave you more. That we just it just it just it's cyclical. As we get close to you, we want you more. As we get closer, we want you more. And and we begin to understand more fully um, what is righteousness, what is right, what is wrong. Um, we we are strengthened by you to flee the old nature, to to put it aside, so that we're not we're not as tempted. That it doesn't draw us in. Lord, help us to walk in the Spirit. That we will not fall into the lust of the flesh, Lord. Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen us. Lord, I pray that that joy uh, of, of salvation, that joy of walking in righteousness, in your righteousness, would just fill us. And that, uh, and that it would be noticeable to the people around us that they might even ask. And that this, this joy of righteousness um, would, uh, would be a light into the world, Lord. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go walking in the Spirit, abiding in Jesus Christ our Lord, bringing glory to God. Amen.